Welcome to the Reach the Stars podcast, a collection of conversations with cool people who do cool things. Brought to you by Papercraft Miracles. Each week, we'll bring you inspiring stories of persistence, passion, and purpose. With your host, Jonna Willoughby Lore. Welcome to the Reach the Stars podcast. I am your host, Jonna Willoughby-Lore, and today my guest is Paul Wakefield. He is the CEO of Freedompreneur, which is a global listed top 500 business leader company um, by Brains Magazine. He's won crazy amounts of awards. He is a life coach and has an amazing story that he is going to share with everyone today. So welcome to the show, Paul. Thanks for being here today. Yeah, no, thank you very much. Great to be here. So yeah, it's nice to connect with with other people and share stories. So yeah, appreciate you having me. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's it's really special to be able to have this podcast and say, you know what, I'm going to interview someone who lives on the other side of the world today. Like, I just think that's so fun. I mean, yeah, they, they are. Great. Like, it's nice doing to as stuff like that. So it's cool. Yeah, so, do you want to tell everybody a little bit more about you and your story and kind of how you got yeah. where you're at now? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I try and keep it as short as I possibly can. Um so, uh, so this year will be 15 years of being in business. Um, I've got 23 years experience in business development and publishing. Um, and that's, I set up, I set up in business in 2006, um, kind of by mistake, really. Um, I think I've always sort of been very kind of driven, even as a young lad, you know, I had a, a paper round and it was the biggest paper round at the time I was earning money. And, you know, even at the age of, I, I had my first job at 12, by the age of I think 13, 14, I had free jobs and, you know, was earning a lot more money than, than most of my mates. Um, but I, I don't know if I ever see myself going into business as a kid. I don't, I don't really know. So I sort of kind of fed into it purely because um, the last like three or four jobs I had, um, I got sacked from and I'd never been sacked in my life. And I got sacked from these jobs. And the last one I got sacked, I said to the guy, look, this is ridiculous. You know, it's like, why do I keep getting sacked? I'm the first one in, I'm the last one out. Um, I'm smashing my targets. You know, what's, what's going on? And he was like, yeah, yeah, no, I, I agree with everything you say. He said, but um, I think to be fair, he said, you, you, you're probably way past the stage of being an employee. And I was like, what? I was like, I didn't really get it. I was 30 at the time. And he was like, look, he said, you are prepared to do whatever it takes to get results. And I was like, yeah. So well, what's wrong with that? He's like, well, we've got like 250 staff here. And a lot of them are noticing what you're doing. He said, if I allow them all to do it, he said, I'm going to have a riot on my hands. And I was like, oh, okay. I went, so the easiest thing is to sack me? And he was like, yeah, I'm afraid so. You know, you've only been here six months. So you're kind of like a probationary PR. I was like, great. So anyway, I set up the business um, and went down the very traditional route. You know, as I said, I got 23 years experience in business development. Uh, I, haven't got, I haven't got a qualification to my name at 19. I was told I was dyslexic. I only read my first book age 28. So, you know, I'm not exactly great when it comes to that sort of thing. So I set up a consultancy business and training business in 2006. Uh, within 18 months, I was forced to close it, partly due to the recession and a couple of really big bad mistakes that I made. I made three people redundant. It come in between the relationship I had then, lost everything. And I know we hear it a lot these days, but it's very well documented. I did generally become homeless for six months. Um, so it was a bit of a, uh, an eye-opener, a bit of a wake-up call. I was like, great, I got told to go into, go into business and now I'm flipping homeless, I've lost everything. So that was an interesting experience. Um, and then starting again, uh, late October of 2008, 
I wrote an ebook, done a joint venture. Um, and on the day of doing it, I'm trying to cut a very short, a long story short, but I had £2.87 in the bank account, uh, but we done a joint venture with this webinar, sold 128 copies, made just over six grand in profits. And that was kind of the start of the business I've got now. And that ebook then ended up in the hands of a publishing company in London. And I was offered a book publishing contract uh, in late 2011. Within the first couple of weeks of that being published, uh, it was on sale in, in 27 different countries. I've now written and published over 100 digital products. I've written and published four paperback books. I've become an international um, speaker, number one bestseller. And last month, I was listed as a top 500 global business leader. Um, so it's been an absolutely mental journey. Um, I own um, a or CEO, as, as they like to call it these days. Um, I own a business development and publishing agency. Um, and we generally specialize in working with coaches, consultants, and professional service providers, helping them to grow the business, get more clients without spending a penny on advertising. So everything that I've done, all the mistakes I've learned from over the years, I kind of put it into this business and now do that. So the first thing we do is to help them write their book. Um, we then help them. So the book obviously helps grow the credibility. Mm-hmm. Um, we then help them use the book as a content marketing strategy um, to obviously grow their expertise. We then help them make money, a lot of money, um, and turn that book literally into like a coaching program, a workshop, a live event, a mastermind, a retreat, and everything else. So, so yeah, we've been doing that for 15 years, and, and we've had over 3,500 people that have worked with us. Um, where we've created first-time authors, um, and we've sold now it's it's over 45, 50 million, something like that in products and services for our clients and members. So it's been, it's been a bit of a crazy, bit of a crazy journey to say the least, mate. Yeah. I mean, I, I love stories of that where it's kind of like you were, you were doing something that you're like, yeah, I'm trying my hardest at this. And people were like, yeah, no, uh, yeah. you kind of shouldn't be doing that. Do go do something else. And then there's all these obstacles and trials and tribulations and you're like you know what i'm still like i i have things that i'm gonna do and you just say you know it doesn't matter how hard it is right now i'm gonna do it and it's gonna happen someday and i just think that's really awesome it is and yeah considering i say how it all started and where it's been it's yeah i think it's definitely a a case of a a never give up attitude that's for sure Mm mm-hmm it's funny because I before I quit my full time jobby job to stay home with my kids and work on scaling my company up, um, I worked for another business where I edited photos for the internet, and that's really? all I did all day long was just me hanging out with my Photoshop and listening to podcasts and just crappy crop savey save lots yeah, of that yeah. and they would hire other people to kind of be on our photo editing team. And I was just so much faster than they were. And I would notice that they were really slow. And I was like, man, Mm. so they're all, either they're all going to get fired or I'm going to get fired if I keep working this fast. So I would like dumb it down so that I didn't like work too much faster than everybody else. Hopefully they don't like hear this. (laughs) 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 How come you like we're working slowly on purpose, but, um, it's just funny because it's similar. It sounds like a similar thing where you're like working really super hard and making all the slackers look bad. And they were like, yeah, we got to get rid of this guy. Cause we're going to have like, you know, it, it, it's madness. It's madness. You know, I was like, well, 
why don't we, you know, why can't we look at the company and, and say to them, you know, you can work this way, put, you know, allow them to do whatever it takes to get results, but put a structure in place, mm-hmm. you know, but he wasn't prepared to. So yeah, like I say, I got, I got fired for smashing my targets. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? How do you explain too that? Of a worker. Go home. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You're too good. You're earning me too much money. So I'm sorry. I've got to get rid of you. Yeah, I can't. You're making everyone else feel bad because you're too good. Yeah. You know? yeah. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So that, that was a great experience. But as they say, everything happens for a reason. And, and I'm pleased it did. I wasn't at the time, but I'm pleased it did. <clears throat> so I'm curious when um, your first company ended up closing up and you were like homeless, um, were you like living in a car? Like, how did, how did, how did that all happen? Yeah. So it was, I say it was awful. So it was a very traditional consulting and, and training, uh, business. Um, and we was at the time I was like nine months away from, uh, from getting, getting married as well. So that was all a bit crazy. I had a lovely house, had everything. And then, yeah, when I lost it all, um, I spent a bit of time in, in the car, um, literally kind of surfing sofas and, and doing whatever I could to keep a roof over my head. Um, at various places. I was very fortunate, kind of friends of friends. Um, when I learned, you know, you can stay here for a couple of nights um, and then it's kind of back to the car and it's like, we can stay here for four days. So it, yeah, it was, it was awful. It was, it was horrible. And then again, a friend of a friend uh, then said, look, you know, I, I can give you a roof for like a couple of months, but it literally is that is like, we've, we've got a spare room, but there's nothing in it. It's just like full of cardboard boxes, but you know, we put some sheets on the floor and give you a pillow and that, um, if you want that. And I was like, well, yeah, it's better, better than the car. Um, and luckily I did because then the car that I had, um, then got taken off of me as well. Um, so that, that got, um, I don't know what the word, I don't know what the right word is, but yeah, anyway, like the, or whatever. Yeah, that's the word. Yeah. yeah the and got taken off. Yeah, that come and got taken off of me. Um, so I gen- I did. I generally ended up with with nothing. Um, and then when I was in there, like I say, I had I had my laptop and and a few clothes. Um, and then the guys said to me, you know, what what are you going to do? I was like, I don't know. I said, but you know, I, I know I don't want a job. And he kind of looked at me as if to say, you know, well, you ain't bumming here for the next however long. And I was like, no, no, no. You know, it's like, I'm not going to bum me. I'm not going to do it. I'm, you know, I want another business. I've, I've had to taste. I've had it for 18 months. You know, it's like, I know I can do it. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, yeah, thanks to him allowing me to obviously use his, his Wi-Fi. I just went online. I started searching for various different things. I come across, as I'm sure you can imagine, hundreds of get rich quick uh, stuff, you know, sit on your ass, copy and paste and make $30,000 a month sort of stuff. Um, but then I then come across a guy who was doing a webinar and the webinar, again, this was like early 2008. Um, and the webinar was all about creating digital products and using other people's customers to sell them, i.e. joint ventures. Well, back then I had no idea what a digital product was. I had no idea what a joint venture was. I was like clueless, you know, I was just a very traditional consultant. So I had nothing better to do. And I went on this webinar um, and uh, and I'll never forget the start of it because the guy who was doing it, a guy called Mark, he was like, right. He said, in this webinar, I'm going to teach you the easiest way to grow a business. And the easiest way is to find a hungry group of people with a problem and put the solution in front of them. And he said that, and I was kind of like, 
go on then. What's what's the rest? You know, where 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 else? Well, you know, it's like I've just had a business. I'm now homeless, and you're saying like this is how easy it is. And and I was a bit like, go on. And like you said that, and then started with the webinar, and then started talking about like I say, you know, ebooks, creating ebooks, finding ebooks. Um, then about like I say, doing joint ventures. And it blew me away. It was a completely different way of doing business. And I was like, wow, this is like, this is insane. And I made more notes from that webinar than I think I ever done when I was at school. I say I was rubbish at school. All I wanted to do was play football. And um, so the webinar finished and I looked this guy up online. Because again, I'd never heard from him, heard about him. And I was like, okay, this dude is is very successful, multi-millionaire um, internet marketer. Again, didn't really know what internet marketing was at the time. Uh, I was a very old school, traditional direct response marketing sort of person. Um, so yeah, I had nothing else to do. Started like going through all my notes, uh, stuff that I wrote and sort of read through there. And, and I just literally, mate, just found myself just writing. I started writing and typing stuff like, mistakes that I'd made, why I wasn't happy and, and all of this sort of stuff. And, uh, and then sort of within a few months, I'd, I'd literally wrote, I think it was about 172 page document, and sort of the penny clicked. I was like, hang on a minute. This is, this is that product. This is that product that he spoke about, mm-hmm. you know, and he spoke about how you could turn it into a, a PDF, into an ebook, which I'd done. Um, and then I thought, okay, so now I need to now like find customers and he was like, you know, if you search on the internet for people who you think have your customers, literally just send them an email and go, look, hi, this is who I am. This is my story. This is what's going on. This is what I want to offer. Would you be interested? So I did. I made a list of 50 people who I thought had my my ideal customer, sent them an email and explained exactly that and just said, look, I've just lost my business. I'm homeless. You know, I got like literally peanuts in the, in the bank. Um, would you be interested in, in working together? I think my product can help your customers. If we work together, uh, I happily give you 50% of everything that we sell. And all I ask for is anyone who buys it, if I can have their name and email addresses and start building up a database. And I had, I think it was about 14 or 15 people come back to me, most of which were like really keen and happy to do it. But they were like, we'll do it in six months or whatever. And I was like, I don't really have six months. And then this one guy, Tim, was like, I love this. He's like, let's talk. He said, let's arrange a Skype call. I didn't even know what Skype was then. I was like, yeah, sounds great. What are you, what are you talking about? So we had a Skype call. We had a chat and, and he sort of organized everything for the 26th. It was the 26th of October, 2008, a date I've never forgotten. I don't think I ever will. We'd done the webinar that evening. But I say on the day of the webinar, um, I went up to town to get some money out to get some food and I tried to get 20 quid out of the bank and it was declined. So I tried to get 10 pound out. It was declined. I checked my balance. I had two pound 87 in the bank. Um, and I literally just like collapsed to the floor, cried my eyes out. And I texted him and I said, mate, this is it. You know, it's I'm done. I'm homeless. I'm sleeping on a random floor in a house with somebody I don't even know. Uh, I got two pound 87 in my bank. I was like, I'm done. I've gone from having everything to nothing. You know, I was like, I don't even know why I'm here. And he just texts back and said, get yourself home. We're doing this. You know, you're fine. I've got you. So I did. I went home and I say, we'd done the webinar. It was the worst presentation I've ever done in my life. It was the worst sales pitch I've ever done in my life. But we sold 128 copies and made over six grand profit. So it was crazy. You know, I learned so much in regards to, you know, one, I learned, we hear about a lot of this all the time now. I, I learned, you know, the power of a story. Um, you know, the power of value, 
the power of keeping things simple um, and the power of working with other people, you know, mm-hmm. and, and the, the combination of all of that led to what I've got now. You know, if I wouldn't have done that, if, if somebody like Tim hadn't have believed in me and gone, yeah, all right, let's do this. I don't know where I'd be, to be honest, you know, and it was because the fact that he believed in me and all right, the others did as well. It was just the fact that, you know, the timing was better with, with Tim than the others. Um, and now, like I say, you know, we, we've grown an incredible uh, business development and publishing agency. Um, and I'm in a position now where I can say to people, look, you know, I, I made all these, these mistakes, but I've learned from them. Um, don't do it. You know, it's like, I want to show you everything that I've done to grow my business. Um, you know, without having to spend a fortune on Facebook ads or anything like that. Yeah, you can, you know, we've got strategies where we help do that, but for the vast majority of people, they don't want to do that. They're worried about it. Um, and I think Facebook ads are great when you're ready to scale a business. Mm-hmm. But prior to that, it's like, let's focus on getting you started and growing it. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and once you've grown it to a certain extent, um, then you've then then you can invest on paid ads. But let's cut, let's get you past that barrier. Mm-hmm. You know, and and one of the biggest things that that I learned, you know, very quickly because of what happened. Um, you know, they they say and, and don't quote me on the exact stats, but I think it's seventy to seventy five percent of startups fail within the first year to eighteen months. Um, and they say the reason for that is because they scale too quickly. Personally, I think that's rubbish. Um, I don't think it's got anything to do with them scaling too quickly. I honestly believe it's the fact that they haven't spent enough time building a foundation for their business. Yeah. You know, when when a lot of people and I and right now is a prime example. Yeah, you know, we're in this global pandemic when sadly millions of people are losing their jobs. And probably a lot of percentage of them will end up starting a business, either as a freelancer or self-employed, whatever it is. Now, generally two things happen there, or several, but one of them, their friends and family will go, don't start a business. It's absolutely the wrong time to start a business. The economy is a mess. There's no one going to pay you. Um, So they have this red devil going, can't do it. And then the inner belief is like, well, I've just been made redundant. I can't see me getting another job. I've got to go and do something. Mm-hmm. So we go out and do something. We go out and network and do what we can. Well, I say go out. We can't go out, but do online networking. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, people get like maybe four, five, six clients where they might be charging 30, 40, 50 quid an hour. Um, and uh, they kind of get to that point then where all they've done is they've got a bit of income coming in, but they can't grow and scale any further. Mm-hmm. And all I say is I look at that and go, all you've done, you've kind of, you've built yourself like a glorified job without the glory because it's that usual, you know, exchanging time uh, for money sort of thing. And, and sadly when they do that, they then lose maybe two or three clients. So then they're panicking. Then they then go back networking. They then replace it. And it's just a vicious circle and the business never actually grows and scales. It's just doing the same thing. Mm-hmm. So one thing that we do is like, look, Let's spend the first bit of time, whether it be 90 days, we could do it in less subject to them. Let's spend the first 90 days really building the foundations of your business. And then when the foundation is built, then we can grow it, then we can scale it. And I think if more people done that, I think there'd be more successes rather than the failures that we see within business. Exactly. I mean, there's also 
a ton of people who start businesses who don't know anything about running a business at all. Yeah, yeah. You know, who've never been in management in somebody else's business, which yeah. can be really valuable. I did it for five years before I quit my job to, to do what I'm doing yeah. now. I was the assistant manager at a gas station. And so I learned how to like manage people and do payroll and do inventory and like do all that kind of yeah. stuff to run the business. Um, and it's funny that you were saying like, you got to build this foundation and it reminds me of two things. There's this other company I used to work for and I, I don't work for them anymore, but their motto sticks in my head all the time. And it was like, never sacrifice integrity for growth. And yeah. you, if you don't have the systems in place and your operations set up and you're ready to make your company really big. If you just go ahead and say like, Oh, a bazillion people know about me right now, but I am not at all in a place where I can handle that much work coming in. Then your reputation goes right down the toilet. So you don't want to do that. Uh, But you also don't want to kind of sit in that space of like, I'm afraid of success where you purposely kind of, I don't know. I don't know if it's purposely, but like sort of subconsciously mm. sacrifice yourself to say like, yeah, Oh, yeah. well, I, I, I don't really want to take the the leap to, to put all of these things at risk where you could lose your house if you don't do it right, you know, okay. whatever you make a mistake. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of people who just aren't willing to do that. Yeah. And so they'll yeah. just work it a little bit, but they won't really, you know, really go for it. And yeah. I love that you're like, you got to have your, your foundation set up. And I used to go door to door for an environmental organization when I was like 20 years old. And, you know, it was kind of amazing, excellent practice at pitching because I had to pitch every single door every single day for hours at a time. And plus I was getting great exercise, you know, like hoofing it. But the thing that they really taught us was that you got to get your foot in the door, like literally get your foot in the door within the first five, 10 seconds of talking to these people. So I got really good at kind of setting up my own business with I am, we are, we do, we want, you know, like that's who I am. This is who we are. This is what we're doing. We want you to do this. And it's, it's really helped me when I'm doing networking and things like that with people to say like, I can't, sit around the whole time and, and not, you know, get it out there and let people know, yeah. like, this is what I'm doing. And you want to, you want to get on this train, like be part of it. Yeah. Yeah, it is. And, and I think that is the, the, the important thing. And a couple of things there that I'd say is I, I, I hate the word. I say my company is called Freedompreneur. It's freedompreneur.global. It's all based, I'm not going to plug it, but it's all based on my book called Freedompreneur Secrets. So we brand it. The reason why I called it is I absolutely hate the word entrepreneur. Um, and the reason being is because you know, it's become a, a sexy buzzword over the last few years where every man and their dog wants to be an entrepreneur or calls themselves an entrepreneur. And I say to my clients, rather than focusing and claiming that you're an entrepreneur, focus on becoming a very good business person. Mm-hmm. Once you've mastered the art of being a good business person and you've grown and scaled a business, then you will start earning the respect of people who will call you an entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. But if you start off the journey by saying you're an entrepreneur and you've never really done anything, you're setting yourself up for fail because you already think you're bigger and better than everybody else, you know, and that's no disrespect because, you know, it's like I say, there's a lot of entrepreneurs, not everyone's like it, but I do focus and be a good business person learn how to treat people, learn how to talk with people, network with people, how to run a business, learn your figures, learn your numbers and all of that. And 
And that's more important than sat there going, hey, I'm an entrepreneur. Yeah, whatever. Most entrepreneurs I know are absolutely skint, you know? So it's like, don't, don't do it, you know? And, and in regards to like the foundations of things, one, like when I, I get booked to speak as obviously a speaker on stage and one of the talks I speak about is building a solid foundation. Um, and I use two pictures in there as an example. And, and one of them um, is a picture with the pyramids in Egypt. Excuse me. I, I was very blessed as a kid. You know, I went to see them with my family as a family holiday. And they're incredible. But yet, you know, none of us, well, I certainly don't, and a majority of people I speak to have no idea who built them, how they were built or whatever. What we do know is that they weren't built with millions of pounds and they weren't built with millions of pounds worth of technology either. Yet thousands of years later, they are still standing there and millions of people around the world have still seen them. Mm-hmm. How is that possible? Because they were built on a solid foundation. Mm-hmm. That's it. Very simple. Yet sadly, the other picture I use, a friend of mine back in 2011, 2012, something like that, um, in bought her very own, um, like what was labeled as a luxury apartment, uh, here in the UK. And there was a block of about 70 of them and they were beautiful, really nice. Um, but sadly we had huge floodings in this country, um, and where her apartment was built and they completely collapsed. She'd only been in it 18 months completely collapsed. And the picture that was shown went viral. Uh, it was absolutely awful. They lost a lot. Um, and when they done tests and they looked at that, what had happened, the floods that we experienced in the country actually caused uh, what was called, the, which is called the River Tyne in the north of the UK, completely flooded, went into an old lake and river or whatever, and got underneath these apartments and they collapsed. And when they looked at it, they said these apartments were built on foundations that they shouldn't have been built on. But yet the people who built them had degrees coming out of their ass. They were very clever people. They were built with millions of pounds worth of tech and high tech quality uh, equipment, you know, spent with millions of pounds worth of money. But yet within 18 months, they collapsed because they weren't built on a solid foundation. And when I look at those two examples of real life examples, that's what's happening with businesses. You know, it's like they are built and I say they collapse very quickly because there's no real foundation. So, you know, I I think for anybody who who listens to this, if I can say anything, just please spend a little bit of time, build a foundation for your business. And what I mean by that is solid foundation in regards to like you've made systems. It could be something as simple as, you know, if you're, I don't know, if you're a coach, consultant, agency owner, whatever you are, it could be something as simple as literally having your website and plugging something like Calendly in there. You know, and the reason why I use Calendly is because I, we pre-qualify everybody who comes to our website. We don't get on the phone and speak to anybody if they haven't answered the questions, whether it's for our done-for-you services, whether it's for book publishing, whether it's consulting, coaching, or whatever. We have different questions for every person that comes through. Um, and there's certain questions on there where they obviously they have to answer all of them. If they don't answer them, we don't get on a call with them. Yeah, And that there is the simple foundation of rather than speaking to every man and their dog who potentially could be freebie seekers, value your time, value your expertise and build something as simple as that. You know, so it doesn't have to be complicated, but value your time, value your expertise and make sure you speak to the right people. 
Exactly. All right. So um, it's interesting what you're you're talking about having this foundation and, and really putting those those steps in place. And there's a lot of people who have no idea how to even start doing that. You yeah. know. And I would say to any of those people, get a business coach. Yeah. You know, not just any business coach, but I mean, do your research, look into the type of clients that they work with. And, you know, if there's somebody who specializes, you know, if you're a life coach, find somebody who is a business coach for life coaches and work with them. And I know that a lot of, you know, business coaching is expensive and I'm not even going to lie. I had a thing that I posted on my Instagram this week, um, which is something that I ended, I said during an interview on somebody else's podcast, I didn't realize that it was what I had said, but she typed it up and made it a post. And it was about how business coaching should be expensive. It should seem expensive because otherwise you're not going to work hard to implement all the things that they're teaching you. You know, like if you're not willing to pay for those things, um, why would someone, why should someone be willing to pay you for your expertise if you're not willing to invest in yourself to, to learn how to be an expert? Um, so that's my first tip as, as a business owner, for sure, is to, to get some coaching because the entrepreneurs I know who fail miserably are people who never ask for help and don't collaborate with other people and think they know everything. I certainly don't know everything at all. Uh, most things I don't know at all. And I constantly am like posting on my Facebook hive mind, like, yo, this is the problem I'm having. Who's got answers for me. And yeah. sometimes it's overwhelming because you get, you know, 150 people yeah. spotting yeah. different things. But, um, it's one of this, this song that I really like has this quote and it. it's like, you know, be careful whose advice you buy, but you know, be, be grateful for the people who give it to you yeah. um, because yeah. it's usually built on somebody making a mistake and then learning from it. And they're trying to help you not make that same mistake. So um, yeah. I always find it really interesting to uh, work with other people and, and see what things have worked for them and what things didn't work for them and, and vice versa. And I think it's, it's so valuable 100%. to those things with people. It is. And, and like I say, and I'm glad you said that about, about coaching. You know, it's, I don't, although I, you know, I come under the, the category of a coach, you know, my really, my background is in consulting and then I kind of sort of fell into coaching really, but I fell into coaching once I had the experience, mm-hmm. you know, so, you know, I do, I say to people, like you just said, you know, it's, if you're not prepared to pay, you know, I've got 23 years of experience in business development. If you don't want to pay for somebody who's got 23 years experience in growing businesses, and I'm talking some of the largest retail outlets here in, in the UK and in the world, because like my background is in retail. Um, you know, I don't know if you guys know the shop called River Island. It's it's a clothing shop for men and women. But I started off in there, you know, in the 20s. It used to be called Concept Man and, and Chelsea Girl. I was part of the team that rebranded that and done that. Um, now with mobile phones, one of the networks here in the UK is called uh, EE. It used to be Orange. Um, I redeveloped and opened up a lot of their branches and developed and grew some of their branches. So I've worked with some of the biggest companies and biggest brands um, over the years. Um, and now, you know, I do it for myself and do it for smaller businesses. So I do, I say to people, if you're not prepared to work and invest in someone with 23 years worth of experience, don't do it. And I know there's a story and I heard it again, funny enough, on a podcast the other day. Um, but there's a story of that. Again, there was a very successful retail shop which had to close because their escalator broke. So the shop owner contacted the engineer uh, and said, our escalators broke. I've shut the shop. I'm losing money. Can you come? This is an emergency. Can you come over? And uh, the engineer was like, yeah, sure. I'll be there as quick as I can. 
walked into the shop, went to the escalator, undone it, looked, turned the knob, bosh, the escalator started working. And the, the business owner was like, oh my God, fantastic. Thank you so much. Um, I was like, that's all right. No worries. The engineer was like, you know, if you just send, uh, send, a, a, um, send me your invoice, um, and I, you know, we'd get it, get it all sorted. And it's like, what? The shop owner's like, what do, what do you mean? Like invoice? Well, he said, you've only been here 30 seconds. What am I paying for? And he was like, what do you mean? What are you paying for? And he was like, well, he said, can you give me a breakdown of the invoice? And he was like, yeah, of course I can. And he was like, well, how much is it? He was like, well, it's going to cost you 20 grand. And he was like, 20 grand for 30 seconds. And he was like, yeah, he was like, look, give me a pen and paper and, and I'll give you a breakdown of, of the invoice. So he gave him a pen and paper and he put, um, what was it? It was somewhat like uh, 99p to turn the screw or something like that. Um, 19,900 and whatever pound uh, to know what screw to turn. And, like, and the owner just looked at him and he went, okay, yeah, I get your point. And and I know I've not said that completely right, but the, it literally like the more of the story is like yeah, you know, the guy had a wealth of experience to know what screw to turn, mm-hmm. you know, and that's what you're paying for. You were you know the guy paid twenty grand for the dude's experience, not for the time it took him to do it, um, you know, and and that's the difference, you know. Like I say, I've got twenty three years experience in business development. You're not paying for necessarily for my time. You're paying for my experience. Um, and same as any coach, consultant, whatever it is. And, and I think that's what people need to understand. And I got contacted by somebody on Facebook the other day who wanted my help, um, booked in a call. And then a couple of hours before the call, sent, I got like a cancellation message. And I was like, oh, okay, well, what's that all about? Um, and she was re- really eager, filled in all the questionnaires and everything else. So I sent her a message and I was like, hi, I've just had a notification that you've canceled. You know, what, what's wrong? Is everything Okay. And she said, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm really sorry about that. She went, I looked again on your website, um, and I, I don't think what you're offering is is what I'm looking for. And I went, okay, well, you've answered everything, and you've said, yes, that's exactly what you're looking for. And so I'm a little bit confused. So after a couple of little bits of probing, it actually come out, she went, oh, I've managed to find somebody who's uh, who's going to give me free mentoring. And I was like, okay, good luck. You know, it's like if yeah, if if you're not prepared to invest in somebody and you just want it for free, you know, good luck. The reason why this person's offering you free help um, is one, they don't value their time or experience, and maybe that that desperate. But yeah, you know, it's like good if you don't value my time and experience, I don't want to work with you. Yeah, and it's it's crazy because as an artist, I mean, like that's my main jam of my career is like being a creative artist and artists, especially all the time people are like, Oh, don't you want to do this project for exposure? I'm like, people die of exposure. No, <laughs> I, don't, I don't want to do that. You know, like you know, I've spent how many years, you know, I came up with the idea of my, my business while I was in college and um, all in the span of about six months, my mom passed away on Friday the 13th. And then on her birthday, which actually is today, um, the anniversary of it, uh, my dorm burnt to the ground with all of my stuff in it uh, the day before the next semester was supposed to start. So I was supposed to, I was like expected to like go to class full time and I had no stuff, nowhere to live, no ID, no money, no nothing. And I lived in a motel room with five other people for like a month before the school could figure out where to give us somewhere to live. And I didn't have a car. 
anything. So I was like taking the shuttle bus back and forth to the campus and oh, I still managed God. to go to all my classes and love it. get amazing grades. I don't know how I did any of that. Uh, <laughs> Good for you. Brilliant. At the, at the time I had always wanted to be an artist, but I didn't want to be a starving artist. And all of the art majors had maybe one class that was like business for artists. There was like a two credit thing. You take senior year that sort of helps you figure out how to approach art galleries. But if you're, you know, how many artists do you know who make tons of money selling an art gallery? Not that many in the whole entire world. Like there's not that many. And, you know, they work for ages and ages to even make enough to like have a home, let alone like be supported in every way by their art. And so I was like, well, I know I don't want to do that. And so instead of taking an art major or doing a business major and just winging it, I made up my own major. And I put entrepreneurial business and creative art integrated together as one major. And I was like, I'm going to spend four years figuring out how to make money with art. And so by the time I graduated school, uh, after dealing with all of this craziness, I was like, life is super short. I was like, I need to start my business right now. So I had the name and I built my website uh, all through HTML. So it's like way back, like 2003, 2004. Uh, Built it on Angel Fire. You couldn't shop on it, but it had pictures, you know, low quality, tiny, crappy pictures. Um, and I made a little print catalog that had like samples of the stuff that my papers in the back and, and I hoofed it. And I would, every time I would meet anybody and they're like, Oh, what do you do? And I'm like, well, I have this company. And they're like, what, you know, you're 22, you have hair or whatever. Like no one's listening to you. I just kept at it because it was like, this is what I want to do with my Mm -hmm. life. And so I spent a really long time putting in all those foundational things. And it, it did take a long time. I didn't quit my full-time job until, uh, after I had kids. Cause I was one of those people that was kind of like, Oh, I still need to have health insurance. Cause I live in the U S yeah, yeah. and I was like, Oh, I have to do, uh, you know, I have a house to take care of. I have this to do. I need to have a steady paycheck coming in. And I didn't, I wasn't willing to risk everything at that point yeah. in my life. And after I had kids, it ended up being more expensive. I would have spent my whole paycheck on daycare and healthcare and come home with nothing and paid someone else to raise my kid. So we were like, okay, well, I guess we're going to tighten the straps a little bit and quit your job and stay home with the kids. And as my husband said, do your book thing. And as soon as I really gave it my focus, it started growing like crazy. And it has been really interesting to have this, dream and kind of like, you know, they always, the life coaches always say like, you manifest what you want to happen. And I had these images in my head as a 19, 20 year old kid of what I wanted my adult career to look like. And in 2018, I won a small business grant just as I was moving into a new studio space in our building. And I remembered that in college, I had this, this vision that was like, someday I'm going to have this really amazing studio space where I get to make art and share with people and and create with people and collaborate and I'll live above it with my family. Won't that be great? And I sat down on my couch in my brand new office with my big fat grant check. And I Mm. looked at the ceiling and I was like, Holy shit. Like it was, it was one of those kind of like uh moments. Love it. Just throughout the whole pandemic, it was crazy because pre COVID I would say probably 70% of our income in my business came from weddings and events. And then COVID shows up and it was like, and no weddings, no events, no nothing. And we had had this crazy growth from the end of 2019 and the first 
quarter of 2020. And it was like, I had made more in the first quarter than I made like half of 2019. By the time it was March, I was already like really going to surpass 2019's entire income. So I was like, well, what am I going to do to like keep this going now that everything is closed? And I ended up kind of reverting back to my foundation of why I started this in the first place, which is how I was dealing with all the trauma of losing my mom and dealing with the trauma of having my dorm burned to the ground while I was in it and losing all of my stuff and figuring out what comes next in life after that. And I ended up making all of this art to deal with all this trauma and figure out a way to share that with other people in a way that didn't make people feel uncomfortable because dealing with somebody else's trauma is difficult for other people. Mm -hmm. And I kind of made it into a thing that in a way that talking about something that's terrible, you know, like losing your home, being homeless, like figuring out a way to share that with people where they're like, wow, I feel inspired by this, that I could take some of these lessons and, put it into my own life in a way that if I was just like, woe is me, my life sucks. Everything is terrible. (laughs) Nobody's going to be inspired by that. So, um, it was, it was really cool to say like in the face of all of our business drying up, I was like, you know, I'm going to get back to this. And in this time where everyone is totally disconnected from each other and so separated and everything is hard for everyone. I have this business that can, take those feelings of wanting to be connected, make them into something tangible and send it to somebody's house. Yeah. I love it. And just like physically connect people in a way when we can't be connected. And so I really just jumped right back into doing that. And I got all our systems better for shipping and things like that. And we made three times as much money last year as we made the year before. Amazing. Congratulations. When there were no weddings. So love it. It's just it's crazy to be able to do stuff like that. And it's all, you know, it's great. We we spoke at the beginning of this, you know, about about your kids, you know, they're at a very young age, you know, and it's stuff like that, which is great for the kids, you know, when they grow up and you can share your story and share your experiences and, you know, you can look at that and go, wow, you know, look, look what my mum done, you know, because like when they grow up, this pandemic, they're going to be learning about this pandemic at school in, you know, in history for years and years to come, you know, because it really has changed the world. And your kids are going to be out to look at it and go, well, actually, when my mom was going through the, the pandemic, she done this. She grew a business and, you know, she was prepared to change and, um, you know, and alter what she was doing. And, and this is what she done. So hats off to you, mate. Congratulations. I think that's amazing. Well Thank done. You. It was certainly not easy. I did a lot of working, but. Yeah. You know, but if I- it was easy, that's why if it was easy, everybody would do it. That's the difference between people like you and I, you know, and. And it's no disrespect to, to others out there, but people like you and I that go into business, we are different people. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's as simple as that. Because if if we wanted the norm, we would stay in a nine to five, you know, and we would have our boss telling us what to do twenty four seven. You know, but for those who want to go out and break it and and go and do their own things, yeah, it's because they're a different breed. And and this is why you know I I use the term freedompreneur because for me. A freedompreneur is a, a, a different breed of entrepreneur. When you actually look at the meaning of the word entrepreneur, they say that it, an entrepreneur is someone who's prepared to risk their own money in hope of getting an investment. Uh, sorry, in hope of getting a return on their investment or making money. Well, to me, that's absolute stupidity. You know, it's like, why, why would you risk your money in hope that you're going to make more money? 
doesn't make sense, you know. And, and I know as business owners that we are risk takers, but yet when I look at you know a freedompreneur as such, a freedompreneur is somebody who wants to run a business who wants the freedom and flexibility. Yes, they're risk takers, but they do it in a different way because they're building a business around their passions, maybe around their hobbies, around their lifestyles, you know, and it's done differently. And, and I do, and I think, you know, we're, we are risk takers, which is why we go into business in the first place, either that or we're just absolutely stupid because it's certainly not, not an easy thing to do. But, you know, we take risks in, in different ways to what people with a job would do. You know, it's like somebody who's got a job, their biggest risk might be turning up for work slightly later or maybe bending the rules slightly. You know, for what we do, we're risking everything every single day, you know, to hope that we succeed and, and you know, make sure that we continue having a roof over our head and clothes on our back and food in the freezer and stuff like that. It's, yeah, it's it's mental. It's funny how people think like, "Ooh, you're you're an entrepreneur. You your life must be so glamorous. You must be so rich." Yeah. <laughs> and like you know, some people can def- definitely like jump into it and like be super rich and ha- and have that glamorous lifestyle. But for the most part, entrepreneurs like you know work eighty hours a week and and exactly. really put their all into it. And you know, like I am consistently amazed that I have made a profit every single year since I was 22. Amazing. Love it. Good for you. For the most part. So yeah, but it's good. It's a whole purpose. But I see uh, somebody who I'm connected with on Facebook the other day, uh, put a post out there and, and it was hilarious because it was some about of some around, uh, somebody said to her, Oh, you're, it's all right for you. You're, you're one of these online entrepreneurs. You've got life easy. I've got a job and life's really tough. And, uh, so I said to her, I said, oh, I said, I really want to speak to this person. Um, and uh, she was like, why, what would you say? I said, well, I'd say to her that, you know, I, I completely agree. You know, life is easy. You know, it's like, I'm an online entrepreneur. I've got this business. I'm doing this. I'm doing that. Life's great. And then I would say to her, let me show you how easy it is. And I would go through all the struggles, all the ups and downs, all the problems, all the sacrifices and everything I've made over the years to have what I have. And the woman started laughing. She went, that's hilarious. She went, I've just found out. She went, the woman who made this comment can't even turn a computer on. And I went, wow, well, there you go then. You know what I mean? She's she's saying how easy we've got it and she doesn't even know how to turn a computer on. But they do, like I say, they think just because you're in business that you, you're minted, you've got loads of money and life's great, life's easy. And it's like, wow, really? It's like, I didn't get these gray hairs because my life is so easy. You know, it's like, I got, got, got these gray hairs because it's it's been a tough journey, you know? Um, so yeah, it is, it's, it's fascinating, you know, what, what people think. And, and I know, as I said, you know, with what happened and I, you know, I'm now happily with somebody else and we're getting married this year, but while I was single and I was dating and, and going on dates with other people and they're like, so what do you do then? I'm like, oh, I've got my own business. And they're like, Oh God, you're minted. And I went, mm, no, I was like, there's just, there's only one thing that's different between me and you. And I went, what? I'm like, well, you're employed and I'm self-employed. And I was like, that's it. All right. Now I've got a limited company, but it was like, that's it. You know, it's like, you've chose to have someone dictate to you and tell you what to do every day of your life. I've chose not to do that. You know, you've actually got it easier than I have. 
Um, <laughs> I just didn't like being told what to do, whereas you clearly like being told what to do. But it is, it's fascinating what people think. Like you say, oh, you're in business, so you're loaded. Uh, exactly. Like I just, all I knew is when I was growing up was that my parents hated their jobs for the most part. Like they just hated having to go to work because it made it so that they didn't have time to do the things they really wanted to do. Yeah. And I was like, well, I know that as an adult, I don't want to do that. And I wanted whatever work I did to be the kind of thing that I was like, I get to go to work today. And every single day that I have enough childcare where I get to go to work and I come down into my office and I'm like, Oh my God, I'm in my happy place. Like I, I just, I love being here and I don't, I mean, I could work 12, 15 hours without even breaking a sweat and just be like, Oh, I didn't even notice I was here that long. Okay. So at the end of all the podcasts, I ask all the guests the same five questions. And cause I think it's really interesting to hear how every other people answer the questions in different ways. So the first question is tell me about an experience that shaped who you are today. Like a single moment that after that moment, you're like, man, everything is totally different. That's easy. Um, so, uh, so when I was 21, sadly, uh, on my 21st birthday, it was actually spent at a funeral. And then within the first five months of turning 21, uh, I lost five friends of mine, car accidents, cancer, various different things. Um, I ended up having counseling, um, which from the counseling then come out that I have a, an addictive personality and I'd already been living with anxiety, um, which was interesting. And then, <clears throat> excuse me, although you can't actually die from a panic attack, uh, one particular day I had the most severe panic attack ever. Um, I'd been at the pub with my friend. I'd only had two pints. My girlfriend then come to pick me up. I uh, was going back to my mum and dad's on the straightest road ever. And as we was going down this road, I kept looking at her. I was like, Zoe, Zoe. I was like, watch all these kids in the road. And she was like, what? I was like, watch the flipping kids in the road. And she's like, what are you on about? And like, she just kept on going. And I was like, oh, my God. And got to my mum and dad's house and my sister put her head out of the window. And the last thing I can ever remember, my sister shouting out, you're late for dinner. That's the last thing I remembered. Next thing, I woke up on the bathroom floor of my parents' house with two paramedics next to me. And I kind of looked up and was like, you know, what the hell's going on? And I sort of come to and they sat me up, gave me some water and stuff. And yeah, I was like, what the hell happened? And uh, they said, you just died. And I was like, what? It's like, you just died. It's like, we've just brought you back round. I was like, what are you, what are you on about? And I was like, you've just had the most severe panic attack, which created a lack of oxygen to my brain. And it killed me. It done me. Um, and I was dead for about 30 seconds. Um, and they brought me back round and, and I've always looked at that and always remember because like I say there was obviously there was three things that could have happened. One, I obviously could have died. Two, I could have survived and come back with severe brain damage or two, survived as I am now. Although I, maybe some people might think I'm a little bit in the head anyway, so I'm not quite sure. But I don't mean that disrespectfully to anybody. But um, so that was like that was a massive wake up call for me. Um, you know, I'd lost so many people. I was doing a lot of drinking, a lot of drugs, been told I had an addictive personality. And, and when you get told that, and I was like, okay, you know, it clearly wasn't my time. You know, I, I need to make the best of my life. I need to make the most of what I'm doing. And, 
And that was the big turning point for my life, really. Um, I'd like to say from that moment onwards, I gave up drinking drugs. I didn't for a long time afterwards. Um, I have done now. Um, but yeah, that was a massive turning point in my life. That's so interesting that uh, when some people do that, there a lot of times people will answer that question and they'll, they'll say like, oh, I remember when this amazing thing happened. And then after that, things were like all hunky dory. And then the other half of people are like, yeah, I remember the one moment was like something insanely traumatic. <laughs> and it's just interesting that um, <clears throat> how those moments are. Well, this is why when, you know, like I said, when I lost everything and become homeless, the one thing that got me through it, and I talk about it all in my books, and I've written four books, everything I talk about is about gratitude because I looked at it and I was like, okay, I've lost everything here. And then I was like, no, I haven't. Now it's like, I died when I was 21, but I survived. I've lost, you know, loads of friends and family over the years and I'm still here, you know, and I kind of looked at my life and I was like, you know, I, I would give my right arm to have my, my, my grandparents back here that are no longer my best friends who, who died when they were like 18, 19, you know, it's like, I've lost everything, but yeah, I'm still here. I'm alive to tell the story. Mm-hmm. And when that kind of sunk in, I was like, wow, how grateful, how lucky am I? Despite everything that I've gone through and experienced, I'm still here. I'm still alive. And that's how I live my life. I wake up every day to say thank you for allowing me to wake up and see another day. And then when I go to bed, I say pretty much the same thing. I'm like, look, thank you for allowing me to see another day. Thank you for bringing those people into my life. I love you. I'm grateful. Thank you. Um, mm-hmm. And that's how I live my life. Exactly. I mean, I def- I remember having really similar thought after losing my mom and then losing my dorm on her yeah. birthday. I was like, really? Who was making a movie about me? Yeah. Like, yeah, exactly. making a movie Cause this, yeah. you know, like it doesn't happen with that kind of coincidence type thing in exactly. most people's real lives. It was, it was just crazy. Yeah. And I just, you know, a lot of people say, you know, how, how did you, how, I couldn't deal with that. How did you deal with that? And I was like, I still had my life keeping me warm. Exactly. I didn't yeah. need any of that stuff. Stuff is great. Stuff is yeah. nice to have, but like you don't need it. Don't need you it. don't need it. No. You know? Exactly. Anyway, um, number two, when you feel defeated or overcome, what do you tell yourself to keep going? Just never give up because I've 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 lost everything before. You know, and, and I always think you know what <clears throat> my mum has always said to me, you know, is, is even as a kid, never give up, don't give up. Um and funny enough, like I say, the conversation I've had with my missus today, you know, it's I've had a very strange day today um, in regards to feeling a bit frustrated and fed up with the whole situation and the whole pandemic. Um, I went to see my parents um, who I had to you know, stand at the end of the driveway and talk to them. And I drove away from there feeling really upset um, and absolutely gutted. But then I was like, hang on a minute. My parents are still alive. I'm still alive. You know, I think I've just seen some on online here. I don't know if I can get it up. I might have missed it. Um, and it's just come up in our local paper that the UK has now had the highest COVID death rate in the world, which is absolutely unbelievable. The UK is a tiny, tiny island, and we've had the highest COVID death rate in the world. And I'm here alive talking to you on the other side of the world. What on earth have I got to moan about? Not to minimize like anyone's right to bitch about things, which you told everyone has a right to bitch about things. Yeah. You, know, like, you can yeah. do both. 
you can we, you all, can we, we all have our bad, we all have our bad days we all have our moments but you know if anything's come out of this pandemic let's just be grateful that we're alive and we can still do this stuff mm-hmm. for sure I'm just super, super grateful, not only that I'm alive and that my office is in my house, so I don't have to go anywhere to go to work. Exactly. Uh, But yeah, that that even in this craziness, that people still recognize the need to have art. And I love that. I love that. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Number three, tell me about a way that you overcame a failure or a mistake and what you learned from it, which is kind of your whole life story, but. <laughs> which one? Yeah. Which one? Um, I, I tell you what, again, it's a conversation that's come up in the last few days. So uh, when I, uh, when I was offered the publishing contract for my very first book, uh, which, you know, still su- surprises me. It was an amazing, uh, amazing achievement. Um, sadly, a guy in the UK who was very well known, uh, he's probably labeled in this day and age as an influencer, um, although I hate that word, but um, he accused me of copying his book, ripping his book off. Uh, I'd never read his book. You know, I wrote my first book, let's like, say at the age of 30, um, I only read my first book at the age of 28. And the very first book I read was The Secret by Rhonda Byrne. So it was very well documented. I'd never read read his or any other, any other books. But he caused a lot of grief for me because he, photo, he took a screenshot of a part of the book, um, put it online and accused me, like I say, of, of copying his. Uh, I got death threats and absolutely everything from there. The thread was about a thousand people. Let's go and kill him. Let's burn his house down. Let's finish him off. It was absolutely horrific. Um, and even to this day, and I started speaking to my mum and dad about this today. I know it's affected me. I don't do a much. I don't do much business in the UK. Funny enough, I do more business in America than I do in the UK. Um, and I think it's partly because I've been trying to figure out over the last few days why. Mm-hmm. Why do I do more in America than I do in, in the UK on my doorstep? And it's it's because of myself, because of what he said and what he'd done. I kind of then went, okay, I'm going to dismiss the business scene in the UK because I was so concerned that people would be like, ah, oh, you're the dude who wrote that book and, and ripped off such and such. Mm-hmm. Although it was clearly proven that I hadn't, it was completely different. Um so it's had a massive impact on my life and a massive impact on my business. But yeah, I carried on going and I was like, okay, well, if this is the case, rather than go there, I'm going to go there. Mm-hmm. Um, and now, you know, I say last month, you know, as I said, I, I was listed and, and rewarded as, uh, as and being listed as a top 500 global business leader, you know, which is absolutely insane. You know, like some of the people on, on this list, are like Elon Musk and, you know, incredible people. And I'm now sharing a list with them. So I was like, you know what, sod you, you know, I'm now going to, st- I'm going to start taking the UK by storm um, and I'm going to use it as a, you know, kind of up your sort of situation. Mm-hmm. I'm going to come back fighting stronger. Um, so that's how I look at it, but it, it did affect me massively, massively. But um, I kind of look at that and go, okay, well, I've wrote three more books since you've done that. I've become an international speaker. I've now become this. So whatever he thought of me, deal with it. I know what people think of him and, and it's a lot worse um, than what he thinks. So uh, yeah, just kind of get on with it. Like if he had an actual case, he would have sued you, but he didn't. Yeah, it's exactly. My publisher spoke to him at the time and when he spoke to him and he was like, oh, like this guy said to my publisher, he went, oh, no, Chris. He said, I rip everybody off. 
He said, like, everything in my books and stuff is everything that I've copied and taken from other people. <laughs> yeah. He was just like, he, like, he used to label himself as like, well, I think he still does as like the, the number one motivational speaker in the UK. And then I started getting labeled as the number one inspirational speaker in the UK. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think there was a little bit of summit there that he didn't quite like. I don't know, but um, yeah. Hey ho. <laughs> <laughs> you know, haters going to hate. Right. Exactly. Potatoes going to potate. Love it. Love it. Okay. Number four, what one trait or habit is most responsible for keeping you on track? Being a hundred percent authentic. Um, and, and my clients always say to me, yeah, I am so 100% authentic. I'm true. I'm honest. Um, and I had a bit of a wake up call when I was 28, um, I'd kind of sat back, I'd moved, let's say 300 miles from home up to the North of the UK. And I had a bit of a reality check. And I looked back at my life of everything that had happened, the heartache, the pain and all the shit that had happened for myself and to others. And when I kind of looked at that, and again, I know we hear this all, all the time, it's nothing really new, but I looked at that and just thought, why, what, what's been going on? What's happened? And I was like, you know, I'd spent majority of those years, if not my first 28 years of my life, trying to fit in to mm-hmm. please other people. And I was like, why am I doing that? Why am I trying to fit in to please other people? Oh, it's like this fingerprint here is mine. It's my own. It's unique. No one else has got this. This makes me individual. It makes me special. And I'm so blessed to say that this is me. This is who I am. So it's like, why have I spent all these years trying to fit in rather than be myself? Mm-hmm. And that was the massive wake up. And I can't remember. I heard something. It might've even been something from Bob Proctor. I don't know back then. I don't know one of those sort of people. So then when I realized that, I was like, just be yourself. I've got no, I've got nothing to impress. I don't go out to impress people. I don't need to, you know, I I've had an incredible life, good and bad. So as most people, I've experienced a lot that people haven't, but then they've experienced things that I haven't, you know, just be honest, just be true, just be authentic. And the right people will come into your life. The right customers will want to work with you. So authenticity has been the biggest thing that has really had that impact and made that, that lasting thing for me. That's awesome. I find it the same to be true. Mm. Uh, okay. Number five, what's the best piece of advice you've ever gotten and what advice would you give to other people? Uh, keep, keep things simple. There was a, a quote and, uh, I put it on, uh, on my Instagram let me get it. It's a quote from Richard Branson, um, which is so, so true. And I'm sure you, you've heard it. Um, and he said it is years ago, complexity is your enemy. Any fool can make something complicated. It is harder to make something simple. And that is so, so true. You know, we hear a lot in business these days, you know, all these flipping internet marketers and gurus about sales funnels and this, that, and everything else and campaigns and, and all of this. And most people, you know, it baffles me. They're just like, what, what do you mean? I ain't got a clue what you're talking about. And it goes to the same with, same with business, same with life keep it simple. That is it. You know, the simpler you can do it, you think, you know, stress is the second biggest killer in the world. 
Um, well, I don't know, actually, maybe maybe the third because cancer was the first, stress was the second. Maybe maybe COVID is now the first. I don't know, but stress is up there as one of the worst. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, people in life seem to create unnecessary stress. You know why? Just keep life simple. Keep business simple. Don't overcomplicate it. Mm-hmm. Um, otherwise, you know, you're just causing unnecessary stress. You know, I mean, it's when you overcomplicate things, it causes anxiety. Anxiety can lead on to depression. Depression can lead on to stress and stress can kill you. Um, so keep things simple um, in regards to the probably the best bit of advice. Again, uh, I would give and say, apart from that, keep things simple. I remember when my very first mentor said to me, he was like, Paul, he said, the life that you have led until now doesn't have to be the only life you lead. And that has stuck with me. And I wrote that is in my first book and that has stuck with me. And it is so true. You know, the life that we have led until now doesn't have to be the only life that we lead. It's down to us to make change. Only we can do it. You know, we see people moaning about their circumstances all the time. My life is shit. My life is this. My life is so well. Did you make the decision to take the job that you don't like? Yes. Oh, well, maybe change it. The power is in our hands. We can change our circumstances, but people are, are, are more happier moaning about their circumstances rather than doing something about it. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the difference between uh, people like you and I, you know, freedompreneurs, because people are, are prepared to make a change, um, whereas a lot of people don't. Yeah. It's just, it's it's tricky to navigate too, because obviously like there are people who have, circumstances that like let's say privilege-based circumstances that are certainly different from you and I so it's not it's not it's it's a matter of saying you don't want to tell just anybody like oh you could go and like become a super wealthy entrepreneur in a couple of months which would be really difficult for somebody who like has a lot of <laughs> like who doesn't have white privilege in their background, you know, like yeah, they yeah. don't have that. And it is, it is harder. And I know that that can put off a lot of people just like hearing it like that. And I know that you don't mean it that way. No, no, it's not, yeah. you know, it's just, but you know, I'm not, it doesn't even have to refer to business. You know, we can all change. I know right now it is difficult to go and find another job or do anything, but you know, you think now, like we've literally, we can contact anybody in the world with this. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like we can search for anything online for this. You know, education has changed. Business has changed. If you're not happy with your life, you know, we hear the word all the time, you know, like turn your passion into profit. Mm-hmm. You know, you can do search on the Internet, search YouTube. You know, it's like I, I, I get frustrated. And again, I'm, I mean this in the nicest way, but uh, I got slaughtered the other week on, on Facebook by a load of hairdressers and beauticians and all of this. Cause they were like, oh, you know, I can't work. I can't do anything with my business. Cause I can't, you know, the, the shops closed and this that, and everything else. And I'm like, yes, you can. I said, you can still work. No, we can't. How am I supposed to cut hair when the salon's not open? How am I going to do nails when the salon's not open? How can I do all of this? And I was like, educate people on how to do it. And they were like, what? I'm like, let's search YouTube. There's people on YouTube that teach people how to cut hair. You know, it's like if your audience can't come to you to have their hair cut, other people and their family members are exactly the same thing. Create an online course, a simple step-by-step guide on how to cut the hair. Basic, basic steps on how to cut hair. You know, it's like you can charge people for that course, you know, and people will buy it. Just because they can't come to you doesn't mean you can't work. Mm -hmm. Educate. 
business has changed massively. People want to be educated. We're constantly searching online through these things, how to, how to do this, how to do that. You know, mm -hmm. and this is why gyms are in such a, a mess these days, because you no longer need a gym membership to get fit. You know, it's like you can do it at home. You don't need gym equipment. I can lean over my bed and do push-ups. Mm -hmm. You know, I can lean against <laughs> the wall. Whatever. Yeah, you want, sorry? You can use cans of soup as your weights yeah. and you don't, you don't need exactly. giant weights, you know? Exactly. Yeah, it's just sadly like, you know, the majority of the world have, are still working on the traditional ways of doing so much. You know, it's like the reason why the retail and retail industry is in such a mess is because people shop online. There's been a shift in the way people do business, a shift in the way consumers buy things. Mm -hmm. It's the times we're in the 21st century. So, you know, I don't mean to disrespect anybody, but we just have to think differently. We have to move with the times. Yeah, there's this organization that I, I am a co-founder of. It's called Shiftco, and it's this international organization for conscious companies, mm. which is super cool. Obviously, the future of our world is like companies that give a crap. Yeah. Um, and one of my favorite things that they do is that they help people figure out how to pivot their businesses by doing this brainstorming exercise with a bunch of other entrepreneurs by mm. saying, what if up? So instead of saying like, oh, what if this terrible thing happens or what if this fails saying like, here's a whole bunch of ideas that could work, pick the ones that serve you and try one of them. You know, like I just, I just think it's really important to, to let people know that there, there are people who are making tons of money that are not Jeff Bezos yeah. right now. There are people yeah. who are succeeding. I mean, my, my business is a perfect example. I mean, we had an online store where we sold pre-made items before the pandemic, but I've had more sales through my web store since last March than I had in the four years before. And that had been Love open. It. Love it. You know, it's, yeah. it was, it was, you know, I had like the, you know, the foundation in place for that. But yeah. as soon as people were like, Oh, I need some way to buy the stuff that I want. I was already set up to do that. And I was like, here's where you can go do that. And it made it really easy for us to, you know, figure out something to keep money coming in the door when we couldn't be yeah. doing these big, huge weddings and events for people. And it was like, definitely you've got to, you've just got to be prepared to change and adapt. You know, it's, it amazed me when the pandemic hit us, how many people I was suddenly seeing on LinkedIn and I going, Oh, I've just done my first zoom call or I've just done it. And I'm like, damn, really? You know, it's like, Oh, I've just done this online. I was like, wow, I've been doing this online for the last 15 years. You know, it's like the internet isn't new, mm -hmm. you know, but yet suddenly, you know, people are suddenly going on and doing things and, and it's because they were scared of change. You know, it's like, don't, don't fear change. Change is good. You know, it's, it's exciting. And we just have to embrace it. We have to get on with it. We have to deal with it. Um, you know, those who don't deal with it and embrace it are those who get left behind. And mm -hmm. that's why so many businesses are failing because they're getting left behind. Yeah. As they say, the only constant is change, right? It's the only yeah, thing you can be exactly. sure of is that it's, it's not yeah. going to stay the same. Exactly. You know, things that happen today aren't going to happen tomorrow. Tomorrow, something else is going to be completely different to today. You know, and if we don't adapt to it, yeah, it's, we're so far behind. You, you've just got to adapt. You've got to accept the world is changing. Mm -hmm. You know, growing up, you know, people used to say, oh, yeah, it's a really big world out there. It isn't now. Far from it. You know, it's like it's a small world. I connect with the other people on the other side of the world from this little thing. It is a small world. 
you know, and we have to make the most of it and enjoy what we've got because we are so flipping lucky mm-hmm. in regards to what we've got these days. We really are. And we just have to accept it and go with it. Exactly. I mean, I connected with you because we were both in the same Facebook exactly. group that exactly. was put together by people who live in the UK. So I never would have heard about you were it not for yeah. COVID. And I found out about their group because of COVID because I was looking yeah. for that I could still network with people without being able to leave my house and exactly to the next it was great yeah yeah we are we're so lucky so lucky with so many things yes so before we run out of time can you tell everyone where they can find you on the interwebs yes yeah so uh the website is relatively easy it's just freedompreneur.global so rather than the word ultrapreneur uh it's freedompreneur.global uh, we're just updating uh, my blog, but again, there's interviews on there. My podcast is on there. There's stuff on there about me. Um, you can connect with me on LinkedIn. That's just Paul Wakefield. Facebook is Paul Wakefield. In Instagram, as uh, I'm Paul Wakefield. Um, so it's very, very simple um, to connect with me. And yeah, just head over to freedompreneur.global and, and there's enough on there. Cool. Well, all of those links will be in our show notes. Thank you so much for being on Thank the show you. today. Thank and, you for having uh, me. Sh- sharing your story with everybody. It was awesome. And uh, I'm excited to be able to share this episode with the world. Yay. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Amazing. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. And, you know, for everybody listening, I don't know when this is going to go out, but yeah, please stay safe, stay well, look after yourselves. And um, yeah, let's be grateful that we're here to be able to do this and, and listen to it. So thank you so much. And yeah, sending lots of love and, and hugs to, to everybody. Awesome. Exactly. So if you love this show, you can uh, check us out and give us a review on iTunes. That definitely helps us to get the show uh, put in front of people who would normally never hear about it. Uh, You can also watch the videos on YouTube. So if you give us a little thumbs up, subscribe to the channel, that also helps mainly just tell other people about it because the more people who hear about it, you never know what it might bring from changing somebody's life to inspiring someone to start their own business. You never know what might happen. Um, so I love the power of a single moment to change somebody's life forever, obviously. (laughs) So uh, I hope that this podcast, um, can be that moment for somebody at some point in, uh, in the next couple of months or years or however long we keep doing this. So, um, and if you want to be super ultra awesome and you want to back this podcast on Patreon, because I currently am doing this out of the kindness of my heart and, um, because I just really love connecting with people and sharing stories. So the, the Patreon is patreon.com slash reach the stars and you can, check out the episodes early on there. We've got blooper reels and merch and stuff like that. So if you'd like to be better, that would be great. And thanks you for listening today and we will see you next week. All right. Bye everybody. A single interaction has the power to change your life forever. This is a place for the stories of those moments, stories of pursuing dreams, overcoming tragedy and failure of coming back to life after so much of what feels like dying of continuing on with only a vision as a map. This is the place where those moments live on. Come sit by the fire, look up at the stars, and be forever changed too. Thank you for being with us on the Reach the Stars podcast. Our theme music is generously provided by Byrocratic. You can find him on bandcamp.com. Thank you to all of our current patrons, guests, and everyone else who helps make this dream a reality. We are so proud to be building this amazing community with all of you. If you love this podcast, 
please consider sharing with a friend, leaving a review on iTunes, and becoming a patron at www.patreon.com slash reach the stars. Don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel to see the videos of these conversations. We'll see you next week. In the meantime, do something cool and tell us about it.